0: Hi, everybody. I'm Scott. Hello, I'm Julie. And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast.
1: Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface.
0: Yeah, and this is uh, episode 189, and we're going to talk about um, Gattaca a movie from 1997. Where uh,
1: everything lies far below the surface.
0: <laughs> way On down. a genetic level. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We, 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 are, we are genetically programmed. Um, <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so this stars Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman and directed by a fellow named Andrew Nichol, who um, hasn't directed a lot of movies, it turns out, um, but he's <laughs> written quite a few. Um, the Truman show he's credited with written, um, oh, huh. Lord of War, oh. the terminal oh. he's credited with story. Um, so a few movies there. And mm-hmm. then, uh, Gattaca was his first directorial, uh, effort, directorial <laughs> effort.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. maybe that's, maybe he hasn't directed a lot of movies because they went, oh, you spent 37 million. Oh, you made 12 and a half. <laughs> oh no. No.
0: So it did not do well.
1: Yeah, and it was really confidently directed, really well done. I mean,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think it won, it was nominated for an Academy Award or maybe won for production design, which, you know, science fiction wins for those things.
0: Wow, yeah. But um, Wow. um I think, yeah. oh, go ahead. I was just wondering, why do you think it didn't do well?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It just, you know, what was the marketing like? What else was out at the time? Mm. Maybe that just didn't grab people, though, in 1997. I feel like we were seeing movies about these kinds of ideas, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. And
1: it's definitely an idea movie.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's why I like it so much. Um,
2: Uh
0: Is, yeah, it's plausible. It's really plausible. And, and, you know, I think we're seeing things like this right now. And it's 21 years old, the movie. Right. Um,
1: Well... In in 2011, I think I don't. I think it said NASA scientists, and I don't know why it would have been NASA. So I could be misremembering this, but voted it as the most uh, accurate and likely. You know, uh, like it, this is the kind of thing that could actually be all be done. Oh, so it's as like scientifically movie, very plausible. realistic. That's yeah. the word I want. Realistic plausibility. Yeah. 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 And um, the thing I found interesting about this, and we can keep it in mind as we go forward, I think, is that although the movie didn't get a huge viewership, you know, critics loved it. But a lot of people who saw it were evidently scientists and people who care about ideas like this. Mm. And so it shaped a lot of ideas, even though it wasn't seen by a huge audience. So, a lot of scientists, this kind of shook up their real faith in looking at genetics as indicators of stuff and made them more iffy on the whole idea of anything that leans toward eugenics, and it certainly did it for the populace. And so, those ideas have kind of bled into a lot of the way we feel today. And either scientists say, yes, look at this and see the dangers we could fall into, or scientists who don't agree with it go, do you want to know what they think of us? Watch this
2: movie. Hmm. Whether yeah.
1: you know whether they agree with the ideas or not and so I found it interesting that although small it was uh, you know influential
0: yeah that's interesting mm-hmm. but yeah I, I agree with you there that you know um, yeah you come out of this movie really thinking about the issues <laughs> and, and what is important um, which is you know something I really like out of a movie yeah
1: Plus, it's exciting. It's a murder mystery. It's not, you know, not um, in terms of us investigating along with the detectives, but in terms of us being sympathetic with the person who's afraid he's their main suspect. And actually, he is their main suspect. So, And we don't know if he did it.
0: Right. It's interesting that they didn't really uh, nail that down at the end. Although, I, I feel pretty strongly that it wasn't him. Um, no,
1: they found who did it.
0: Oh, Okay. I, I mean, thought they did then, but why? You know, I, I was why I rewatched like the last half hour. Oh, and when did they actually? I mean, I wa- I watched the whole movie, but after I watched <laughs> it, I rewatched no, the last half hour because I'm like, did they say who did it?
1: Well, yeah, they they call in the. Okay, so skipping ahead, uh-huh. Alan Arkin as the old seasoned detective calls yeah. in the detective who's in charge of the case. Mm-hmm. And there's Gore Vidal, whose right. name I can't remember, sitting there, and there's like, well, he, I was going after this. You know, invalid guy, yeah. which is what they call somebody who's not genetically perfect. And instead, you were right all the time that in his eye there was spit, and I got the DNA, and it was this guy.
0: And it was this guy. Okay. Good. Yeah.
1: He did it because. Yeah. The administrator that was killed wanted to. Yeah,
0: he wanted call to call off the mission to yeah, Titan,
1: right? And this right. guy was invested in this is <laughs> what our one in seventy years chance.
0: <laughs> That's of right. Hitting that window. Yeah, so I knew it was him, but I was like, you know, why? Why do I know it was him? And I was looking for that moment, and somehow there was I missed a whole thing. it. Somehow I missed it.
1: Yeah, the, yeah there' was a whole scene
0: because I do remember him, uh, Alan Arkin getting the DNA from the guy and and mm-hmm. and putting it in the thing, and you could almost see Gore Vidal's face on the little flickering right. thing that came up and then right um, yeah,
1: well, and then because remember the other detective is interviewing Jude Law, Eugene,
0: yeah, and he right. gets
1: the call. We got him. We got the guy, so he leaves,
0: yeah, I remember that,
1: yeah, and that's yeah. so then he goes back and there's a scene where they explain it,
0: okay. Yeah, I wonder so if that was missing from, from my version. I don't know, it, but, um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So what? Yeah, what are these issues? Um, yeah. So Ethan Hawke is a well, uh, his character as a as a younger person, he he was conceived um, without any uh, genetic enhancement. Okay, in in a world in which this is super important. Um, so uh, at his birth. Um, they The first thing that they did the moment that the kid was born, they took a genetic sample and put it into a machine and then the machine spit out some very cold facts about you know what this person's life was going to be like <laughs> you know the uh, probably gonna you know the some of the most uh striking things were you know probably has a thirty year lifespan because of a heart condition um, right ninety
1: nine percent
0: right, right. And is, you know, this percent likely to do this, this percent likely to do that. And Well um, yeah, and
1: it's things like have bipolar problems mm-hmm. or have whatever. So they're doing and, and in fact at one point somebody else in the movie is saying something like, Oh, I don't have a violent bone in my body. Mm-hmm. Check my readout.
0: Check my readout, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. So go that's ahead. Right. They
1: use that for all kinds of predictions. So. Yeah.
0: So um even though these uh this couple was in love um and that's you know they conceived this child out of love um the father was having clear second thoughts or clearly uncomfortable and mm-hmm. in fact uh, uh the child was going to be named Anton but After in him. a very significant moment he said no let's let's name him Vincent Anton <laughs> You know, let's move my name into his second name, you know. So so rather than name him after himself, uh, he withheld that because of the potential genetic issues that this kid had. And, yeah, uh, and
1: you get the feeling it's the mother is all for just, it's all fine. And at yeah. one point they show a rosary with, with the crucifix.
0: I miss that. How cool. Yeah,
1: it's mm-hmm. it's when he talks about I was conceived on the Riviera. Mm. Not the French Riviera, in Detroit. And it's in a car <laughs> called the Riviera. Right. But they show just hanging there, just for a second.
2: Interesting. Uh, you know,
1: the rosary. How about from that? The, like, you know, from the uh, rearview mirror. But the crucifix of it.
0: Uh, nice. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: So, it kind of, and uh. he says, we're called faith children or whatever.
0: Yeah. 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 So, then, uh, if you... Uh, well, very shortly after that in the movie but uh, they fast forward um, to their next child and their next child they conceived in what I'm taking is the typical way um, they uh, artificially inseminate several eggs mm-hmm. right and then they, uh, do tests on every single one of them and the uh, uh, there's a little manipulation you know genetic manipulation and the the doctor, uh, they're in a room, you know, the doctor and the couple, and the doctor is telling them, you know, what he did to the <laughs> embryo, and we selected the one that had the best whatever, and uh, we made sure that this disease could never happen and um And also baldness. Yeah, baldness, you know, all the, a lot of the vein stuff where you don't want this, you don't want that. We made sure that. And then the, the, the wife actually said, you know, no, we didn't ask you to do all that, you know. Um, you know, we want some variability, (laughs) yeah.
1: Disease is one thing, yeah,
0: right, right. yeah.
1: But then he kind of goes, Well, don't you want your child to have all the chances, all the opportunities? Mm -hmm. And they kind of both go, Oh, yeah, I guess so, yeah, you know, and that's how
0: you do it, Mm -hmm.
2: it's
1: just how they think of it,
0: right? So that child is born, and that child gets the name Anton, which was intended for the first one, and um. Then they grow up, both children grow up, one of them as some superior genetic specimen and the other one, you know, perceived superior genetic specimen Mm -hmm. and the other one, um, sort of a disappointment pretty much because of potential disappointment, right? Right. You know, it's nothing that he's actually doing and nothing that's actually happening. It's only the idea of what could be happening or what might happen or what they expect to happen right. um, affects how they treat this that first child. So then we fast forward some more. Um, as they get older, uh, yeah, one of the more, more poignant moments there was the, uh, the first child, uh, Vincent, um, really wants to go into space He's got this bug and he just can't stop thinking about it. This is his life's goal. And his father at the dinner table actually said, you know, the, the closest you're going to get to a rocket is if you clean it. <laughs> that, was, that was brutal.
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, simply because of genetics again. You mm-hmm. know, it had nothing to do with his intelligence, nothing to do with anything other than, you know, your genetics says this.
1: Yeah, they never talked about intelligence or potential for that, did they? Even when they were Mm -hmm. testing the baby, they were just looking at disease.
0: Right, right. And what this would do. Yep, Mm -hmm. That's right. And then, um, sure enough, he gets a job. Vincent gets a job as a janitor at this uh, place called Gattaca, uh, which is a company that... You know, try to figure out exactly what this company does. I guess, you know, he, he spends his time calculating uh, trajectories and stuff later. They later. Do,
1: I think it's like yeah. NASA.
0: Yeah, it, I guess it could be just they NASA. They send off all right. these
1: space missions, you know, yeah. and he's in line to go to Titan.
0: Yeah, so they're sitting but in... that's what they do. Right, right. And um, so he's cleaning that place. You know, he's a janitor at that place. But then figures out how to get into that place. Um Using another person as uh, kind of a surrogate, how would you even explain that? So, so he found someone who was a superior genetic specimen who was in a wheelchair due to an accident.
1: Well, it was a, so he went to a service. It looked like or somebody who was kind of shady on the underground, played by Tony Shalhoub, who. Shows up and says, well, I'll find somebody for you, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I, you never know how he comes across enough money for this, but mm-hmm. that doesn't seem to be a problem. Because he's kind of doing it based on future earnings. At yeah, one that's point, kind of his, the impression
0: that I got. That I get was 25%.
1: Like, yeah, so there must yeah. have been a down payment, and then I get mm-hmm. 25% of your future earnings. Right,
0: right. So... Um, yeah, and it's kind of a it's a win-win because the fellow who's had the accident can't do the work that he his life, you know, uh, had prepared him for or his genetics said that he was capable of. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, his earning potential was pretty low. And then, um, you know, Ethan Hawke could take his identity and um, move forward and make the money and uh, support them both.
1: Yeah, so he undergoes a series of surgical procedures and all these other various things to make him... As like Eugene, who's the rich guy played by Jude Law, as possible. Yep. Eugene's very bitter. Mm-hmm. Naturally, um, he's been raised to think he's superior, and everybody who looks at his <laughs> genetics goes, Whoa, this guy is off the chart.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah.
1: And he is bitter though, because he says, Oh, look, I won this for swimming. That was his thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, Silver yeah <laughs> that's the best I could do i you know I've got these genetics, but yet I get silver
0: yeah it's, it's in, kind of in that, important yeah it's that it's great use. it's great yeah so um yeah, so now uh Vincent uh, assumes this guy's identity and has to do things like uh you know they're they're always peeing in little bottles and taking <laughs> samples and taking blood samples and everything, so he's figured out ways to when they ask for these tests to give him samples from uh, the person he's impersonating, you know, so he's devised these methods of, of doing that and gets really good at that.
1: <laughs> and he's got a, and they show him every so often it's my skin just ached watching him every morning. He's, you know, shaving every hairy part of his body he can and using, um, you know, like stones to rub off
2: the, yeah, yeah. any
1: hairs that would have been anywhere or any skin cells So that he's not leaving any traces of the real person. Yeah, he doesn't want to leave
0: any genetic material on his keyboard or anything. Yeah. And
1: and he also is bringing in things like skin flakes from Eugene and kind of scattering them around and putting a couple of Eugene's hairs in a comb that's in his desk. mm, That kind of thing.
0: Yep, yep.
1: So, it's an arduous process. But kind of interesting (laughs) thinking about how you would overcome all these little tests they have.
0: Yeah, and they're constantly testing, which... uh, which I is odd. Weird.
1: Yeah. I thought that was odd, too. I didn't know why they were testing.
0: It's like once you get past that initial test, you'd you think that, you know, they'd be good with that. But no.
1: Well, they were using it. The, I could understand the finger pricking coming to work is just, you know, oh, it's like instead of showing an ID card,
2: hmm. you're
1: valid to go into the building. Yeah. But they were constantly having, I mean, you know, the technicians get to know you eventually. We we get to see, and I don't know this guy's name, but I love this actor so much. Xander Berkeley, I think is his name. And uh, he's the, the technician was, who gets yeah. to know him. He does all his testing every morning. And, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Um, so, it's not like you couldn't just use people for this. But I think it shows their their complete dependence on this for everything at this level of society anyway. Mm. So, eventually what happens is he discovers he's going to get to be on the, the Titan team, or the team to go to Titan. And he's very excited about it. And then a murder happens. So the cops come in and start taking samples of everything, Mm -hmm. which unfortunately there's an eyelash that got loose that day. So they know this invalid guy was in the building and he looks different enough supposedly though, for me that never really worked. I was (laughs) like, you can't look at this and just see it's him.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: And um, so when that happens, He's got to worry about staying ahead of the cops. One cop who's the older seasoned cop is really convinced that it's an invalid guy. He somehow got into the building. He somehow has taken on another identity. He's the one who did it because he got discovered. The guy who's in charge of the investigation, who's a younger guy, you don't know why he, he is in charge of the older guy, but this is how it works. You know, Maybe he's a jerk.
2: Mm-hmm. He doesn't
1: really think that's true. He keeps telling them, look over here, which we want him to do because we don't want our guy to get caught. And then at the same time, a romance has begun with one of the other people who might have been in line to go to Titan, and that's Uma Mm -hmm, Thurmond. So, a romance, a very tentative romance starts up there. Yeah, And she is genetically perfect. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, she's gotten into their system. And so, from there, it kind of goes on into...
2: Yes, I don't know.
1: A- As he's struggling with all these people who are going to bring his house of cards down, can he hang on for the week it takes to get the mission off the ground? Mm-hmm. That's all he's focused on. Yeah. And the net seems to be tightening around him. And at the same time, we don't know if he did this or not. He keeps going, of course I didn't do it. But we don't see all his actions all the time. We don't know who did it. And the story is quite plausible that he might have done it in order to achieve his goal.
0: Right. Yeah, we never know for sure. I mean, well, we do. We do later. But uh, mm-hmm. but while this is happening, we, ne- we don't know for sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, and so it really is an ideas movie in so many ways because a lot of the action in the last part comes from things like his and uh, Eugene's relationship.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What it means to each of them if he gets to go on this mission. We see his relationship with Uma Thurmond. Who first gets one of his hairs and has it tested in order to see what he's like. Hmm. You know, oh, you are as perfect as they say. But they're still <laughs> attracted to each other, you know. He shows yeah. her it doesn't matter in a sweet little scene where he lets the hair go and says, oh, the wind got it. Hmm. So that's very endearing. So, you know, on a first date, here's one of my hairs. So you can see <laughs> if I'm worthy. Like,
0: that's right. Great. And it's it's <laughs> wild that they have these little kiosks where you can go do that. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, I want to go out with this guy. how does he look to you? (laughs) You Yeah. They show someone
1: getting her lips swabbed, and they said, how fresh is the contact? I kissed him five minutes ago. And I'm uh, like, oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah. I'd
1: forgotten that.
0: Just amazing.
1: Yeah, and so then the mystery gets solved, but various people know about it along the way. So what you see is how do these people react to knowing that somebody who's considered invalid because they're genetically inferior could achieve these heights. Right. And so, in his relationships mm. with them and how they react and what happens because of that, we are carried a little further into our own thoughts on, is this a valid way to test people? Mm. What is it that's holding you down? And of course, by then, we, don't, we wouldn't have felt that way anyway, because this is being told to us mm. in our world, not yeah. them and theirs. But it, it does examine a variety of um, options and attitudes, And especially interesting is with his brother, because when he's young, we see one of the things that they liked to do was play chicken, because there there was this rivalry between them. You know, the one brother, the younger brother, has been told he is superior. Mm -hmm. But the older brother never quits trying, and he feels put down, so therefore he's kind of angry himself. But they like to play chicken, and they play chicken by who can swim out the farthest before one of them gives up. Mm -hmm yeah so it's a very yeah. dangerous life threatening
0: <laughs> yeah on <under laughs> the ocean until you give up, and then you gotta yeah. swim back,
1: yeah exactly yeah. you always have to swim back and so then you see this as in different stages of their life, them kind of always going back to this mm-hmm. and what it tells them about each other and about themselves, not that they meditate on it, but just in how the swim goes, how the race goes
0: yeah and as as teens um Vincent actually saved his brother from drowning. Mm hmm Um, you know, the, the genetically superior brother from drowning. Right. (laughs) And it changed everything. Right. It made him realize, Hey, I can do anything I want to do. Yeah. And it really hurt his brother too. It negatively affected his brother who was like, well, I was just, I couldn't do what, what my brother does and he's inferior. So what does that say about me? Maybe, maybe my genetics are wrong or who knows what, but, but, uh, he never seemed like a very happy guy as we saw him later in the movie.
1: Mm-mm. Yeah. So that's kind of the summary of the movie, I guess. So we can.
0: Yeah. So we can delve. Let's yeah. Delve. We've talked
1: about a few things. We've kind of touched on them, but. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go watch the movie if you haven't. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause one of the things is, is Anton, the brother, <clears throat> we find out at the end, he's the lead detective on the case. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. And I never picked up on that until when I was first watching the movie, until they tell me. They never say the detective's name, even if we'd have remembered his last name as Freeman. So, Freeman.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, Mm a lot of the names have various meanings in this. And he is trying to protect his brother, actually. And kind of in a grudging way, you feel. Hmm. But at the very end, he's like, I can get you out of this. You're in trouble. And, he, <laughs> and Vincent's like, I don't need you to get me out of trouble. I did this on my own. I'm fine. And he's, Anton is still angry because he lost that last swim. And so, they go back out to swim again. Hmm. And he loses again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he says, how did you do it? And he says, you want to know how I did it? I never kept anything for the swim home. hmm <laughs> And that's one of the summaries of the problem with this idea of telling you who you're going to be before you've learned who you are. Yeah. Because they, all these people, we see this regret that they aren't living up to what they genetically are supposed to do. Jude Law, Eugene, with his, I should have been gold just because of my genetics, but I could only do silver.
2: Hmm.
1: The brother who's like, I can't beat you at swimming. And here he is. He's reached a a pretty good pinnacle, but he's a police detective. He's a homicide detective. His brother, who's invalid, is the cream of the crop, and he's going to be an astronaut.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Uma Thurman, who's also genetically superior, but guess what? They couldn't predict that heart problem that she's got that won't let her go. Yeah. Or potential heart problem. They say, oh, there's potential for my heart that, you know, they've discovered.
0: Right, right. And Mm then... Let's see. What what is the fella's name that he's impersonating again? Eugene. Eugene. Okay. Jerome. Jerome. That's it. Jerome.
2: So, so
1: Vincent gets called Jerome sometimes. So mm-hmm. Jerome says, "Call me Eugene. It's my middle name."
0: Oh, okay. Gotcha. You know, so Jude Law's character, you know, it, it feeds into what you're saying too. You know, the fact that he was getting second in the swimming, you know, it it, it, it to him it was like, okay, well, I, I was missing something, right?
2: Mm -hmm. But Ethan
0: Hawke had what he was missing, which is, you know, desire. And, uh, you know, this, he was, you know, fighting for what he had. You know, know, it it was like, you know, it's not only genetics, but it's other stuff too, right? So he's got the genetics to be a great swimmer, but maybe not the desire or maybe not the, uh, that extra thing.
1: The drive and The drive,
0: right. Yeah.
1: Well, and yep. yeah, because that brings up one of the huge themes is how does destiny govern our lives? In this case, it's biological destiny. These people have been told from the beginning, you're one of the great ones
0: mm-hmm. versus free will. Yeah,
1: You don't know. You just have to overcome these obstacles that come up. And so how do expectations shape our lives? And for me, that made me think of the Catholic Church has a really strict ban on things like fortune-telling and predestination. Mm. And that's part of the First Commandment, really. Um, When you look in the Catechism, they say, You shall have no other gods before me. And it says, um, Superstition is the deviation of religious feeling and of the practices this feeling imposes. It can even affect the worship we offer the true God when one attributes an importance in some way magical to certain practices otherwise lawful or necessary. To attribute the efficacy of prayers or of sacramental signs to their more external performance apart from the interior dispositions that they demand is to fall into superstition. So, in this case, there's nothing wrong, supposedly, with I suppose you can genetically engineer people, though the Catholic Church would say that's very wrong. Hmm. At the very end, Uma Thurman goes, you're a God child?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, meaning it was all left up to what God gives you.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and this is the idea, this superstition is the idea that our science and our choices and they're all wrongly ordered. Mm-hmm. You know, we think by by ordering the biological makeup of these people – we can say who they will be. right? And they accept that. And when they accept that, they're, what's taken away from them is the chance to have freedom, to just see what they can become.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you nailed it right, right on the head. I, I looked up some arguments against genetic modification in humans mm. um, from a non-religious perspective just to mm-hmm. see what was being said. And um, – Found three things that I thought were very interesting. Um, so, and it feeds into exa- exactly what you're saying. So, um, genetic modification the first one is uh, genetic modification prevents that person who has been modified from making free choices related to the modified trait. So, oh, the yeah. modifier controls the person's future by controlling his or her genes. In other words, it's the parent that is controlling the future of the kid. By modifying his or her genes. If you yeah. have been given a gene for musical talent, then you have no choice but to become a musician.
2: Oh. You know? And
0: we, we will call this the puppet critique is what this paper says. So that's yeah. one thing. And then another is um, genetic modification limits the options of the person who is modified by limiting their range of behaviors and life plans. So a person with a gene that causes him or her to grow to a height of seven feet cannot become a jockey.
1: <laughs> right?
0: So we call right. this the open future critique. Yeah. And then the third one is, uh, genetic modification interferes with the person's ability to make free choices by increasing parental expectations and demands. A person with a gene for musical talent will face enormous pressure to become a musician. And we call this the parental expectations critique. Yeah. Yeah. So it feeds right into what you're saying. And that's, you know, from, uh, this is some ethical paper. Philosophy, Ethics, and Humanities in Medicine, 2006. (laughs) That's the journal it was in. So, um, but it's interesting that even uh, uh, people that are coming from a non-religious background are looking at this thinking, you know, hey, I'm not sure that this is a good idea. At the same time, we have things happening like... uh, in Iceland, um, you know, they're saying, "Hey, we cured Down syndrome." Um, well, how did you do that? Well, they're aborting all of the fetuses that yeah. have the possibility of Down syndrome. Yeah, and um, it's like, really, that's that's the cure right there. Yeah, amazing.
1: That's, Hitler wanted to cure us of Judaism the same way. I right, mean, you know. right.
0: Yeah, so it's it's just like you know, whatever the fad of the. <laughs> of the uh of the moment is you know and in china china is facing a huge problem because oh, yeah. um there's too many men yeah right
1: you only let people have one child and that child is the one who's going to have to support you for your life and boys are valued there you are going to have a boy yeah so yeah. how many girls were aborted or left to starve or whatever right you know um
0: amazing it,
1: it's, it's such a shame
0: yeah and uh you know, I, I have no no doubt in my mind that, you know, when and if, you know, I'm sure some of it has already, um, you know, to, to have like, you know, uh, 10 uh, fertilized eggs, you know, oh. <laughs> fetuses, right? And then to uh, genetically test them all and pick the best one. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's happening right now. I, I don't know for sure that it is, but it seems we're completely able to do that now um, with all these genetic tests that we have and and their genes for everything. So, you know, apparently there's a gene responsible for me wanting to uh, do this podcast, Uh, (laughs) you know, we'll have to find it in the DNA or whatever. (laughs) Well,
1: and yeah, I know. I mean, think about that scene where they're showing the parents, okay, there's, Two exceptional boys and two really exceptional girls, he says. Yeah. Oh, we'd like uh, Vincent to have a brother. Okay. Well, I've done, you know, this, this. And they're just showing the, you know, the fertilized cells up there. So, these are clearly four. They could all go on and be people. Mm -hmm. But they're throwing away three of them. That happens all the time in IVF, which is why the church, that's one of the reasons the church doesn't like it. They're like, those are all people.
0: Right, right.
1: And um, they also don't like the idea of separating fertilization from the union of a man and a woman. Because hmm. there's something greater than just coldly producing a child. When you do it like that, you're just turning it down to, now I'm ordering a new car in a way. Hmm. Um, you know. Interesting. And, and I realize I'm spe- speaking harshly if anybody's listening who's had these issues. I don't mean it. Come off as um, a condemnation of desires for children or struggling with fertility. I have not had that issue myself, but I know it's so painful. Mm. But the church is like, but there are children out there right now who are dying to have a parent, mm. you know, mm. or you can spend a lot of time working with children, or, you know, we don't all get what we want. Even the people in this movie with the perfect genetic stuff, they're not getting the gold medal, Emma Thurman can't go to the stars because she's going to have to just stay on Earth, like she says, and I'll go around the sun, but on this starship, Mm. because of her heart. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we don't get what we want, and sometimes it's the greater good of somebody else that's being thought of, and in this case, what the church is thinking of is the other lives that are being thrown away. Mm. Does that make sense? Sure. I don't mean to make that sound really harsh or no, anything. Yeah, I,
0: don't, I don't really know uh, that about those issues, but yeah. but yeah, it's it's interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah. this is
1: on the surface, so, you know. Mm. Sure. Um, yeah,
0: anyway. I, I certainly know that uh, uh, the the idea of this is really abhorrent. The The idea of this genetic selection and and trying to, uh, create a future, um, you know, based on someone's genetics. And then, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it was a minority report. Um, that's another movie. I like that movie as well, based on a Philip K. Dick, you know, which is basically saying, Hey, there's potentially a crime going to happen. Right. And this person, uh, is very likely, I don't think it was based on genetics, it was based on this psychic premonition by these, uh, you know, somehow drugged drugged up people. A whole different issue. <laughs> mm-hmm. But anyway, so they're like, okay, a crime is about to be committed, and it's about to be committed by this person, and then you go and you arrest that person before the crime's been committed, is the right. idea there. And, yeah. um, you know, this is so close to that. I mean, if you... If you have, you know, uh, genetics that tell you, you know, hey, well, you know, we've had some, uh, you know, drug users that have the same genetics as as you have, um, therefore, you're very likely to have this problem and therefore, you know, we probably ought to, you know, lock you up prematurely or something like that. I mean, uh, making those decisions just seems, it seems so close. And Mm -hmm. scary, you know, that that they could actually happen and people can actually make decisions, you know, and and that seems like a a harsh thing, you know, well, let's go arrest this person before they commit a crime that we believe that they're going to commit. But isn't that, I mean, how different is that from saying, well, you know, I really like uh, my child to be a great musician and therefore um, let me pick the the, uh, uh, fetus or... You know, that, that has the best chance of that based on this test that, that well, we're going to give it, you know, with chemicals.
1: <laughs> right. There's, a, there's a character in the movie, just a slight one, but he's got 12 fingers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he's he plays been a, genetically a piano. He's right? designed
1: to be a pianist and mm-hmm. he's playing a piece that can only be played if you have 12 fingers. Mm-hmm. But is that the life he would have chosen for himself?
0: Yeah. I don't know. I don't you know. know. Yeah.
1: To be a freak. I guess they don't. Yeah, think
0: and, and the thing is, you know, the, this, you know, I think you call it genetic determinism, where you're basically saying, okay, if a person has this set of things, then this will happen. And mm-hmm. there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that completely because, um, you know, th- there's environment as well, and and how a person grows up affects who that person is. Um, you know, the yeah, the input that that person gets throughout his or her life makes a difference in, in interests and, and everything. Right. So if you can clone Albert Einstein and, uh, you know, Albert Einstein is reborn, this exact genetic clone, you know, imagine the expectations that would be on that poor fella, you know, but, but there would be no, there, there's, there's absolutely no chance whatsoever in my head that he's going to grow up and, and, uh, you know, figure out the unified theory or whatever it is we're waiting (laughs) on. You know? Yeah. Um, probably be a smart guy, I'm guessing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Einstein was who he was, not just because of his genetic makeup. He was who he was because of his life.
1: Yeah, and like you say, you know? there's the whole idea of um, the struggle, the environment. I mean, Vincent is who he is because he has to struggle his whole life yeah. to be better.
0: Right, And without that struggle... You're not going to win the, the race, right? Right. I think that that's what they were saying you know, with Jude Law. I mean, his, his life was so disappointing. And then it turned out that, I mean, he was so distraught that it turned out that the accident he was in was on purpose. Yeah. You know? So it was like, you know, you have, you, you are going to be this, right? This is mm-hmm. your life. This is what you will be. And then you fall short of that. Well, my gosh, how do you overcome that?
1: Well, you know? Especially when you haven't been prepared for it by any other losses, when right. you were younger and, and, that's and you've a, always been that's protected, a too. you've always been told everything is great and that you're yeah. the best, and and that actually made me think of some of the struggles that the millennials have.
0: That's that's sort of where I was going to go next. Oh, I'm you sorry. know, no, 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 don't be sorry at all. It's it's you know we're thinking the same way. It's exactly that. You know, when you have, um, you know, parents that are. Uh, you know, really gung-ho parents, you know, and I know that they have everyone's best interest at heart, you know, but they really want a kid that will do this. They really want a kid that will do that. And, uh, you know, their, their lives revolve around making sure that uh, your kid can get to all these events and, and all these things, you know. Um, and uh, I don't know. And you're like, yeah, you're the best at everything. Everybody gets a trophy and all that stuff. Um, it's not, it's not great. It's not good, you know?
1: No, because what they're missing is, um, we could call it soul, but you could also call it psyche. Mm -hmm. What effect does this have on you as a person, essentially?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because you're not just your genetics and it's focusing just on that.
0: Right. Right.
1: And in fact, I saw something recently. You know, every time we think we understand everything, then we discover later, we don't understand everything. Like, they used to talk about junk DNA, and then they went, oh, crud, it does all this stuff that we didn't realize. Because we didn't know enough to look for that. And then recently, I saw something, you know, the, um, and these really disturb me anyway, the CRISPR techniques, where they can Mm. edit genes and stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah. They're
1: like, ah, this is really, this is a piece of cake. We're going to solve all these genetic illnesses. And I'm like, so I'm tentatively going, well... That would be good, but I don't know. What does this mean on a bigger scale? And somebody just, a study just came out, I think, that said, um, um, actually, while you're doing that, you can inadvertently harm other DNA. You won't even know you're doing it until it shows up later that hmm. you've messed stuff up. Hmm. I'm like, right, because this isn't like fixing a car.
0: Yeah, it's the law of unintended consequences.
1: Yeah, we don't, you know, we have to have humility.
0: We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. And it's like, you know, so I work in control systems. Well, when you go in there and you fix a problem, sometimes you create another problem.
2: Mm-hmm. And, um,
0: you know, at least I'm not working with people. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, the, the worst case scenario of something that I do would mean it could put somebody in danger, you know, which mm-hmm. is a real and thing that you need to worry about. But but to do this with with people, you know, and affecting their lives like that. Um yeah, it's like, you know, the the good out of it it needs to be uh more good than bad, right? You know, and and so often happens with drugs and things that we come up with that uh to cure ailments. Um there are side effects, right? Yes. And and I know, you know, you've got this ailment, you need to take this drug, and you take it, you know, hoping that uh it's helping you more than it's hurting you, you know, um best case scenario, and I know that there are some some very difficult circumstances where you need to take stuff that'll
2: that, mm-hmm. uh, really
0: makes you ill, <laughs> you know, yeah, like in order chemo. to cure something. Yeah. So, yeah. um, but it's the same thing here. I mean, to mess around with stuff at that level, uh, thinking that we know everything is scary to me. It's not something, boy, you know, I'd, I'd have to have something pretty serious to be thinking about that.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah. And saying, yeah, we can go in there and, Fill your body with nano robots, and they'll repair everything. And would be cool if we ever get there someday. But yeah, uh, yeah. maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I heard I a long time ago. A test first. I, I'm trying to. Rem- I don't rem- remember where I saw this. In fact, I, I, I do remember now. It was a book called "The Next Fifty Years." And it was probably written twenty years ago. And one of the things that this author claimed was that we weren't that far away from being able to replace heart and lungs with things like nanorobots Mm because to to take care of those functions which means that you know the failure of those organs could be overcome and then the lifespan would increase significantly you know so I haven't seen any work in that area since reading that book but maybe that's happening because you know they're just saying well you could come up with other ways to get oxygen throughout the body yeah. And, uh, and and plus, the robots could actually move the blood around themselves. So you wouldn't need the heart anymore.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, is that that all sounds good. But then you look at it and go, what else is going on there that we don't exactly. understand? Exactly,
0: what else is going on? Yep, that's that why I mentioned it, because it, it feeds dependable. right into what yeah. you're saying. What yeah. else is, is everything else? You know, your entire body is dependent on that. So, um, yeah, you, you're not going to replicate it exactly with a different method. It's mm-hmm. going to be different somehow, and, and somehow other things will go wrong, you know? Or yeah. can those be overcome? I don't know. Yeah. But then you start getting into the robots and then the science fiction, and you download your consciousness and all that stuff.
1: Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> That's mm. not in the catechism yet, but it it's will.
0: It's not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you don't, don't, don't be downloading your comment. consciousness into androids.
1: <laughs> you to keep your own
0: mind. It's I'm going to guess the Catholic Church will be against that one.
1: I feel like it
0: will feel be. feel like it would be, yeah.
1: Yeah, they'll be going, no, I'm sorry, at some point you got to move on, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, wow. One
1: thing I liked in this movie, um, speaking of, we don't see a lot of Vincent's parents. We just see, you know, them... At the beginning, of course, as they're getting the news about him and then choosing the traits for his brother. But and then we just see them kind of as, oh, no, you've got another skinny knee. You might die or whatever. And you can't do these things. But we do see another parent who's played by that technician. Uh, I mean, who's the technician played by Xander Berkeley, who mm-hmm. is friendly. We find out that at the very end, he helps out Vincent slash Jerome and his identity when he's not prepared for a test, because yeah. it's like, oh, I'm taking off today. They won't do a test. Oh no, they always do a test. <laughs> and um, he's he says, remember, I, I've mentioned my son, but I never told you that he's like you. And at the same time, Vincent is saying, oh, I thought I could have been it. I I could have done it. Remember this. I. And he's not really listening. And the guy's going, he's like you, and hmm. you give me hope for him. <laughs> And so, he helps him through. And he goes, oh, sometimes these machines have a glitch. And he, you know, just jiggers it. And he hopes his kids can beat the odds despite this defined imperfection. Yeah. So, he's the parent who would push his kid, who would give him all the chances, who would help him beat the system. Yeah. Because he loves him. And the love is the greater quality there.
0: Yeah, that was so well done. It was Mm -hmm. so well done, you know, how they set that up and then… And then uh, did that at the end. Yeah. Really great. Really great. Yeah. That makes me think of, you know, expectations that we place on people, you know, without genetics and things. You know, it's like, well, you're from X background. And Mm -hmm. therefore, I have X expectations. And, um, you know, that could harm somebody, right? You know, you come from a, a poor, difficult background. Well, you're not likely, you know, to get into Yale or whatever it might be. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, you know that that's that's interesting stuff to think about. But that's that's where all this stuff is headed. But but even more, right? It's like it seems to me that it would get even worse. You know, just like what mm-hmm. Gattaca is, is saying. It's like mm-hmm. if you don't pass this test, we're not even looking at you. And the test is yes. not something that you can you can study for or you can get better at or anything like that. It's just simply here, let me get blood out of your finger, and then I will tell you whether you will be accepted or not. Yeah. It's it's brutal. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and I do have a friend who had an interesting reaction to the end of it. She mm-hmm. said um, she thought he was wrong to go on the mission.
0: Because of his heart?
1: Yeah, because mm-hmm. she she said he was clearly struggling. It was causing him all kinds of trouble. He was having like these mini attacks after he'd power through the tests. Mm. And she goes, he's putting everybody at risk. Mm-hmm. And I really was stymied because I'd never run into that concept for this movie before in discussion. I mean, you know, just in with friends or family. Because he we're on his side. Yeah. He's the hero.
0: Yeah, it's like, you know, what he's proving is that you can overcome this. And, uh, you know, the, the stuff that everybody finds so important, you're overcoming it. And for him at the very end to to uh not take the ticket, um you know, that would that would have been pretty negative. (laughs) So but I I can understand what she's saying. It's like, you know, you're assuming, okay, well he's gonna die on route or whatever. Yeah, we don't know that for sure. And and I think that's part of the point of the movie is Right. We don't know for sure. And he doesn't either. Um if it was a fact that if he died on the mission, that everyone else would genuinely be in danger—like without him, it couldn't happen—or something like that—I mm-hmm. didn't get that impression. But if that was true, then maybe I would have to to really consider it. Like if well, he's I if mean, he's killing ten other people, if he dies, right? Well, you that's but then then on the other hand, any of those people could die at any time.
1: Yes, through a freak accident. Right. We've all seen yeah. The Martian. Yeah, I mean. Um, Well, and the other thing I was thinking is, that's a valid point, but it's not the point of the movie. So, they're not interested in that. What they're Mm -hmm. interested in is him. The point to him is not being part of the team and having a successful mission. The point is, he gets to go into space and do this. It is his selfish dream. Mm. And it's okay. I mean, because he'll be part of the team. He'll do everything. He may or may not get out of it. but. And then, again, to me, the other point was the larger picture is if they hadn't had all these ridiculous requirements in place, they would have caught it. They would have been testing everybody. He wouldn't have known to fake it Hmm. because everybody wouldn't have been focused on one thing so much that they were myopic. They would have tried everyone and he would have been eliminated much more naturally because he couldn't have faked it.
0: Right. And you call that, you know, a selfish dream too, and and it was a personal thing for him. But it was also inspiring to everyone else.
1: You're right. So and as I said it I was like, well, selfish. He was only thinking of himself at that point.
2: Sure. Yeah.
1: But and so it was a selfish dream, but it doesn't mean one person's personal dream can't affect all those other people, like you're saying. Mm. The father, Uma Thurmond who I know how to name, Irene, I think. Irene, it was yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at it here. And
1: um, even even uh, Eugene Jerome, uh, Jude Law's character,
2: mm-hmm. who
1: one of the things that's kind of interesting to watch and kind of sweet about this movie is we, we aren't given a lot of moments of friendship. It's just a very structured set of exchanges we see between them about, you know, you've been drinking, so your samples are no good for when I go for my interview. But they do have a form of friendship by the end of it. Hmm. He sacrifices a lot in order to get up there and keep that masquerade going when the detective comes to interview him. At the end, he wants Jerome, I'm sorry, Vincent, these names Hmm. switches, Mm -hmm. he wants Vincent to have his dream. He's seen how hard he's worked. Mm Mm-hmm. And that he will try to let nothing stop him. You know, even at the sacrifice of himself because he can't stand the idea of a year by himself.
0: Hmm.
1: But he's not going to tell him that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I was bummed out by, by what Jude Law did there at the end. I didn't yes. like that. Well, um, so
1: what a way to go, man.
0: Yeah. You <laughs> could have picked a lot of different things. But he was, he was was he was getting rid of evidence, right? He was...
2: He was, he was getting rid of evidence. Yeah,
0: so, I mean, he, he was doing that in a way for Vincent, you know, mm-hmm. saying, you know, it, if he had just done that, you know, with pills or something, then they would have found the body, they would have tested right. it, and they would have said, holy crap, you know. Right. But I don't know, you know, because he was worried about when he came back, you know, I know that uh, Vincent wasn't worried about coming back. He had reached his goal. And I think right. that, uh, you know, if they had found out at that point, you know, what are they going to do, turn it around? The answer is no, but when he gets back, I don't know if they'd put him in jail or whatever.
1: Yeah, or if he just disappears into the system, Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, some other place. He's like, I'll, I'll move on and worry about that then. Yeah, But see, that's the other thing about, I never worried, I gave it all, I never worried about getting back when they're swimming. Mm-hmm. That's what he's doing here, too. Right, that's how he right. approaches everything. I'm just giving, I'm not, not saving anything for later.
0: Right, right. I'll
1: worry about that then. And that's how he achieves his goal yeah which also makes me think cuz I loved those swimming sequences and they were part of the only interaction with the natural world for one thing mm. true and the, yeah and the other thing was of course um the ironic idea of here's two people they are swimming to see who's better and of course isn't that what sperm do mm. they swim and the one that gets to the egg <laughs> is the one that wins <laughs> So, you know, ideally the perfect one wins, but when the imperfect one wins, here we are. I mean, with my bad eyesight or whatever it is. And uh, it's so, to have this going on between the the valid and invalid brother the whole time kind Mm -hmm. of just keeps reminding us. Yeah. You know, through that visual imagery Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that this is what's at stake. You can't predict these things. Just let them happen.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Love it. Mm -hmm. That's cool.
1: And you don't know who will achieve things, and you don't know who will be a blessing, which is what I've heard from parents who have Down syndrome children. Mm-hmm. You know, they're universally it's the story of, oh my gosh, my heart sank. You know, when I saw that little flat face or whatever it was. But as I've realized, it's been good for our whole family. It's been, you know, we've all learned how to give and sacrifice for each other
2: hmm. in a way we wouldn't yep. have
1: otherwise. This child brings us joy because they are so pure hmm. in their being. Yeah. You know, their their joys are our sorrows are genuine and out there. Mhm. So you don't know what these supposedly bad things will will do.
0: Yeah, it's it's yeah, I love that imagery. Um you know what you just presented there the The nature right you know in nature Mm -hmm. that's how it works right you know things happen and it happens organically and Mm -hmm. who knows for sure what will happen there's a lot of uh chaotic things going on that are unpredictable but then in the in the world in the rest of the movie it is all uh you know sterile it's all manufactured it's all square right and yeah. and they're they're trying to predict the outcome of everything and trying basically to control the entire thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So so yeah, out there in the water and the swimming, you know, they're they're not in control.
1: Right. It's all the the world that the humans live in is all, as you say, controlled is the perfect world because think even of how they dress. Mm-hmm. They don't have a uniform, but their uniform is essentially a dark suit, a thin tie. It's almost like, not quite like a 1940s style it's suit, but, you know, it's a very, um, even the women are wearing suits with pants and everything and the ties and the button-down shirt. And their hair is slicked back.
2: Mm-hmm. The
1: only time you see Uma Thurman's hair down is when they go dancing one night, and then it's an art deco-y kind of a look
2: mm-hmm.
1: for everything. Desaturated, of course, because in the future – There are no direct colors. Everything's desaturated That's
0: right. Everything's (laughs) great. It's a bit
1: gloomy in the future.
0: A little bit polluted, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. I guess that's it. But it's that idea of, and that's another signal to us, is not only is it about control, but it's showing us that this isn't about space travel. We never see him in, I mean, when they go to the moon or to Titan, they're all just wearing their suits. They get in Mm -hmm. and they lie down in the
0: take off couches in a row in a gray cubicle yeah it's almost like their life hasn't changed
1: yeah exactly and so they but we don't ever see most we see them doing is running or physical a bit of physical exercise like in that weird thing he had to hold on to the the thing that would go around and around in weird ways and so we don't even know what scientific training they've had Hmm. It's not like a regular astronaut movie. And that's kind of the sign that this isn't that important. This is about the other stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it is all about control.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And ideas. And ideas. Yeah. I also
1: loved the, um, the brother's performance, Hmm. the actor who plays the brother, because since I'd seen this several times, I was watching him a lot more than I usually would. And he gave this kind of beautiful double performance as when you don't know that he's uh, Vincent's brother. Mm -hmm. He's just kind of the uptight cop who doesn't really believe the savvy older cop. He's focused on all these other things for some weird reason. And, um, of course, when you see it and you know what's going on, it's this double meaning of everything he does.
2: Yeah, yeah. The
1: reason he's asking the questions he asks about, you know, Vincent or whatever. Right. Or says, oh, we don't need to worry about them. That's probably nothing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, his name is Lauren Dean, mm-hmm. I found. So, yeah. Yeah, I liked him, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lauren Dean. Yeah. And you got to love in these, you know, and this is 1997. Um, yeah. But it was interesting how, you know, you're still dealing with, you know, dot matrix printouts and stuff. <laughs>
2: You yeah, know, I like
0: it. It's funny, it's funny how, you know, everyone's kind of missed, you know, that there wouldn't really be a lot of paper use in the <laughs> computers in the future, and it was all just on a pad or a tablet. And
1: There's no cell phones. Yeah. Or if there are cell phones, they're not like a smartphone.
0: Uh-huh. You right, know. Right, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. They did have those little tiny screens on their little genetic things. And, mm-hmm. you know, have Yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. And I love Ernest Borgnine. Yes. Oh, I love that man. He's great. Yeah. Yeah. He did good there, too.
1: Also, but. speaking of something they missed, and maybe they did this on purpose, mm-hmm. I just want to say, okay, so you are Eugene. You've got all this money, but no elevator? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they come in and they go, who lives mm. up there? Well, not me. Not me. And, yeah. I, and I know they did that. So, during the big tr- scene, he'd have to pull himself up the stairs before they get there. But um, yeah. this movie, I think it, it was either nominated or won an Academy Award for production design. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, that's science fiction shines in those categories anyway. But yeah. one of the things that I loved is... The staircase in uh, Eugene's house is like a helix.
0: Mm, that's it's right, a DNA yeah. helix. Yeah, it's a helix. Yeah, and it was very long, very tall. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of work to drag yourself up Ick, it, but yeah. it was well dusted. Because when he gets himself into his chair and it, it dusts himself off, I'm like, "Well, there's nothing even on the front of you." But you know, mm-hmm. good call. Yeah. And then one of the other things they did, and this Rose was saying that her. Motion graphics professor or whatever um, at Columbia College in Chicago always used this movie as an example of how to have thoughtful title design that's connected to the point of the movie.
2: Hmm. Because
1: when the, the names and everything are coming up, you'll see certain letters will come up first and then be bolded. And they were always G, A, T, or C. And those uh, yeah. are the initials of the DNA, the four proteins that make up DNA. Right. And that's so that's why they did that. Yeah. And, and that the was word, also the, the
0: word gattaca, yeah. Yeah. It's all made up of those letters. Yeah, that's yeah. cool.
1: Well, cause they do you know that story about why it was called gattaca I did
0: not I d di- I didn't I didn't know there was a story. I I just knew that the all the letters are the DNA. Yeah. Right? But anyway, well, and
1: they, <laughs> I yeah. never thought about it until I was just kind of looking up trivia. And it was saying that it was originally going to be called the Eighth Day. So you know, God finishes his work on the seventh uh, day, and on the eighth day, man gets in there and starts fiddling around <laughs> with it. Right. And mm-hmm. partway into production, a French movie came out called The Eighth Day. Uh-huh. So they had to change the name. So they took the G-A-T-C or the Gattaca. Mm-hmm. But all those things together kind of mean like a short sequence of DNA. If you look at the symbols, that's kind of what it means. Look huh. at the Wikipedia page. I don't gotcha. know. I'm just saying. <laughs> but I just went, oh, because mm-hmm. I never thought about even why it was called that.
0: Yeah. Well, the company was called that, right?
1: Right. Yeah. But, yeah, I never thought about. Mm-hmm. But supposedly the company was going to be called Eighth Day or something like that. And they had oh, to change all of it. Oh,
0: and they it. changed There's that, too. Video. Interesting.
1: That has that in it partway through or something, but nobody ever notices it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, cool. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. So, do you have anything else you'd like to say about this movie?
1: Oh my gosh, I crammed in so many things.
0: Oh man, I think, no, yeah. there, you? there's a lot here. No, nope. nothing else I can think of. I mean, I mentioned Ernest Borgnine. So he
1: was good, <laughs> and there was one part of the movie where I think. Uh, Vincent is coming down the stairs and he has a little cup that he was drinking some water out of or something, a little paper cup. Yeah. And Ernest Borgnine is passing him and he's, oh, I'll take that, sir. Yeah. And he just gives it to him and goes on and he kind of just crumples it up and goes upstairs with it. Uh Uh-huh. And I always would look at that scene and go, does he know? I I
0: think he did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I saw somewhere there's a deleted scene where it makes clear that he does know. But I liked that just as a hint that it took... It took people besides Vincent to pull this off. And besides right. the effort yeah. that he and the other people were deliberately putting in, there were mm-hmm. friends who were going, yeah, this is a good cause. We like
0: you. You bet. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I like to think that he knew.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. And yep. was helping. And that's, you know, there was one scene towards the end where he was collecting garbage while these guys were all oh yeah grabbing DNA everywhere. And I just got the impression he was trying to get everything out of there that he could just trying to help you know acting like he was dumb you know there's no
1: other reason for that scene you're right yeah and this movie is very very deliberate about the scenes there's nothing that's extra
0: yeah yes gattaca
1: (laughs) well it's a good choice and um i really can't believe we haven't done it before Hmm. oh my goodness the dogs Hey, puppies! Yeah, <laughs> the mail must be here. Oh
2: wow! Anyway. That's
0: good. <laughs> that's time. that's cool. Mail time. Love it. Yep. All right. Well, next up we have Captain from Castile by Samuel Shellebarger. <laughs> Yay! Yay! You bet.
1: Washbuckler.
0: Love it. Cool.
1: So much adventure in mm-hmm. ancient Spain and Mexico. Right. Well, ancient. Ancient. I don't know. Yeah. 1600s,
0: something like that. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm really looking forward to it. So.
1: Yeah. In this book, everybody expects the Spanish Inquisition.
0: <laughs> oh, fantastic! And they're not disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <Yeah. laughs> well, good. Looking forward to that. So. Yeah. All right. Too. Well, thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. Yeah. We'll
1: talk to you soon.
0: All right. Bye-bye. Bye
1: bye. Bye.